Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Roll the Quadcast, a Blogger So Dear podcast where little old Charlie Brown is still trying to kick that football. Blogger So Dear is the go-to website for the best independent analysis of Wake Forest athletics. Hello and welcome to another edition of Roll the Quadcast. My name is Riley Johnson, as always, and I will be joined shortly by Rob Reinhard. Um, today we actually have a couple of different things going on. We had a podcast earlier uh, that Ned and Witt did, the Blogger So Dear Recruit Report, and that was the second edition of that. It's an excellent podcast, so I recommend listening to it. Um, and we actually had some exciting news with a four-star offensive tackle, Devontae Gordon, committing to play for Wake Forest in 2018. Um, he is a four-star only according to Rivals, and I believe a three-star according to 24-7 Sports. But this is obviously a very big uh, pickup for Wake Forest, as we don't get a, typically get a lot of four-stars in here. Um, if the prediction is right from the 24-7 sports recruit rankings, this will push Wake up to 41st in the country and 11th in the ACC. Um, I would stay tuned for to BSD. We should have an article up either later tonight or in the morning detailing that in a little more detail. Um, I obviously recommend listening to the BSD recruit report. They've got a lot of tidbits about the uh, EYBL, the updates to the basketball and the football and uh, everything else going on with Wake Forest-related recruiting. Uh, We're going to continue on today with the um, previews of the teams that we've been looking at. So last week, we went ahead and took a look at App State, Clemson, and Florida State. And today, we're going to look at Georgia Tech, Louisville, and Notre Dame. So these three games obviously are not as difficult uh, at face value as the App State, Clemson, Florida State games, but they are three games that – could be pretty difficult, especially the uh, Louisville game and the road games of Georgia Tech and Notre Dame. I guess coming through uh, the win probability, just taking a brief overview at it, we probably are expected to win around, I guess, 1.5 games there. So it's crucial to at least get one to two wins if we want to get to a bowl game this year. Um, let's see here. I believe Rob may be calling in now, so let's see if we can get him on. Rob, uh, are you there? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Absolutely. Sounds like we are good to go here. So uh, I was, uh, I don't know if you heard everything to begin, but I was going over the commitment of Devonte Gordon and uh, what that did for Wake Forest football as far as 2018 goes. And uh, went ahead and looked at the Georgia Tech, Louisville and Notre Dame from an overview. Uh, how are you doing today, Rob? You have had a good weekend? Yeah, had a good weekend. Always great to hang out with you, Bart and Tim. So uh, we had a good time down there at Myrtle Beach. Yep, hope uh, you got through that rainstorm. I'm guessing there was a pretty big uh, front there. It sounded like uh, we had some uh, stranded travelers in as far as airplanes, and uh, it looks like you might have gotten some rain once you got off 40. Yeah, got some rain, but made it back to Winston safe and sound, so ready to go. Fired up to do another episode of Roll the Quadcast. Perfect. Not a problem at all. So let's uh, go ahead and kick this thing off. I know you uh, did a little bit of research on the Georgia Tech game. And uh, given the schedule leading up to that game, I would say this is the big one. It's a toss-up game. And uh, what are your initial thoughts on the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets? Initial thoughts on the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets? Well, I'm thrilled that they that they lost Justin Thomas from, from last year, their quarterback. Uh, he's, he was clearly a very talented player leading that, that triple option offense, as, as we all know that they run. And uh, one thing that excites me about this game is that 
Uh, we do have the bye week to prepare for the triple option offense, so I think that's that's a great time to go against it. I think it also helps that we've played Army in recent years, so we are familiar with some of those philosophies. And, and I think just our defense in general is typically very solid against the run and, and that we should uh, perform pretty well, uh, at least better than, than most teams will do against the, the option offense. So I think this is a game we can definitely steal. Uh, we'll definitely be underdogs in this one, but I think we can go down to Atlanta and beat them. What are your thoughts? Um, I tend to agree overall with you. It looks like they have, according to Bill Connolly's preview, they have a 69% chance of beating us, which is tied with uh, Central Florida for their second most uh, likely win of the year. They play Jacksonville State. They have a 93% chance to win there. Um, It's always hard to win in Atlanta. It seems especially for Wake Forest over the last few years. Uh, Obviously, we don't play them much anymore due to the expansion, but when we have played them, we have usually been a house of horrors, a lot like Carter Finley Stadium has been when we play NC State, but uh, we do tend to look pretty good against option teams. I guess a lot of that is because we have played so many of them over the last 10 years, and while there are definitely uh, differences and variations between what Army, Navy, and Georgia Tech like to do, the similarities are there, and it's something that we prepare for in the preseason and as well looking forward because we know we play an option team effectively every year. Um, so if we could go down to Atlanta and steal one where we have a 31% chance, certainly not out of the question. It looks like we will probably be a touchdown dog. Uh, obviously, that can change as we get a little closer, especially given it's uh, in the middle of October. But I think uh, Georgia Tech really was a little unlucky last year. It looks like they have a pretty solid team. Uh, do you think the loss of Justin Thomas will be a big setback to them on offense? Uh, or do you think they'll be able to kind of step in, get the next guy in line mentality, and uh, run the option offense the way that, that they would like to do it? Well, it seems like they they replace quarterbacks pretty well down there at Georgia Tech. But I, I think this loss is big. I mean, I think if you look at more traditional pro or, or spread style offenses, uh, timing is very important. But I think um, when you when you look at a triple option offense, I think rapport is so critical just because of. Uh, there is not that much of a margin for error when you're making reads or, or whether you're pulling it out from your from a fullback and maybe pitching to a tailback. So I think um, experience is, is really relevant there. So I think this is a big loss for them. And, um, you know, in the middle of our, our schedule, I think this is a game, our, our best opportunity to get a flip. So I, I do think this is a big loss for them. What about you? Yeah, I, I think that uh, it'll take them a few games. I think by the time they – uh, take on Wake down there, they will probably have their offense sorted out, especially since they return their top six leaders in reception. While they don't throw the ball a ton, they have a little bit more, I believe, the last couple of years. And when they do throw the ball, they usually do very well at throwing the ball with a very high yards per throw and yards per completion average. Um, I, I think our defense does set up well, though. Uh, Cam Glenn and Jesse Bates are excellent tackles, and we tend to have a good base defense, at least we did under Elko, uh, of how to stop that. So it will be interesting to see if our fronts that we have under Solvo will continue to be conducive to stopping that type of offense but we we do have a very disciplined defense or we usually do um, so that usually helps a lot if you maintain gap presence and where you're supposed to be as far as your hole and what you're supposed to be responsible for and don't overcommit or try to make big plays then you can stop them you just have to stay focused all the time um, it, it looks like Georgia Tech will probably get to six or seven wins this year so that's going to be a tough road game but one that we may need to have if we're going to get to six wins um, 
after that, we have a, a pretty big game coming up against uh, Louisville. And I know this one, according to the poll that Les ran on Twitter a few weeks back or a couple weeks ago, that this is the game that Wake fans have circled. Uh, just an overview of Louisville. Do you believe that the Wake players and the coaching staff want to, are looking at this game? I mean, don't give me the every game is important. The next game up is the most important. Do you think this is more important in the coach's mind, even if they don't come out and say it? Yes. Um, I, you know, I guarantee Clawson has this one circled on the calendar. I guarantee the entire team has this cir- circled on the calendar. And, um, you know, especially somebody like Matt Colburn, who, who you know, there, there was that incident around National Signing Day several years ago, and it's a great thing that we have him. I mean, I think this, this team felt like, yes, they were betrayed by, by Tommy Elrod, but they were also betrayed by uh, the Louisville football program for, for accepting some of that, some of that material. And um, I think they probably think that they came very close to beating them two years ago. They were very competitive with them for three quarters last year. I think they feel like they, they can beat them. And in addition to all of the um, sort of background, I think this is a chance to make a, a statement game against a former Heisman, reigning Heisman winner in Lamar Jackson. So I, I would say this game is circled for a lot of reasons in the, the number one game on Wake's schedule. Yeah, I, I certainly feel that way too. And I know, of course, the staff are going to come out and say it, but when you have the Wakey Leagues talks, which we have gone on about for the last couple of weeks, kind of touched on, um, if that continues to kind of hang over the program a little bit until we get, get past it, get some distance to it, as well as the Colburn situation where Petrino pulled the scholarship right before signing day and Wake wound up landing him over Louisville and I believe Georgia Southern. Uh, Colburn has obviously become a, a good player in our backfield. So I know he wants to definitely get back at that it's interesting if you look at uh the football study hall uh game breakdown from last year the louisville game last year was actually our worst performance of the year from a percentile standpoint which is pretty interesting because it felt like we were extremely competitive over the first three quarters specifically from the defensive side of the ball um and but the offense just couldn't get anything going uh is there a way that we can stop lamar jackson the returning heisman trophy winner or are we just going to have to try to limit him um, I think defensive coordinators all across the country have lost a lot of sleep trying to trying to figure out how you stop them. I, I mean, I think it's it's much easier, you know, said than done. But I think the number one thing you have to do is as best you can just play, contain, spy, try and make him beat you with his arm. He, you know, he's a good passer, um, not an elite passer, but he is a good passer. Very good touchdown to interception ratio. Um, but when he gets in the open field with his feet, he's absolutely deadly. So I think anything you have to do in terms of um, containment with with a spy uh, or, or your defensive ends is is your only chance um, to potentially stop him or slow him down, I should say. Yeah, I think it'll be pretty interesting because we've seen in the past with mobile quarterbacks where they have a really, really good year. The next year, whether it be the NFL or college football, teams – tend to figure out what they need to do to limit the mobile quarterback and they make them beat them with the arm. So it'll be interesting to see if teams early on learn how to kind of limit Lamar Jackson and stop him from what he does best, which is get into open space and really show off his elusiveness where he is an absolute freak athlete. And he's got a really, really good arm too. So I'm not trying to discredit that, but the, his 
biggest threat is the fact that he can just get in the open field and, and just beat you with the speed and elusiveness. So uh, it'll be fun to watch and see early on if the teams on their schedule have a chance to uh, do a little better than they possibly did last year. Cause you kind of looked over the, the, course of the year last year as well where we will kind of fade it they didn't fade coming down the stretch but they became less effective as the, the season went on so was that due to injuries was that due to opposing dc's figuring them out i guess we will we will find out um but louisville is projected to get third in the atlantic and they're, they're going to be another really really good football team top 15 team uh this is a game that we have a chance to make a statement win and grab one that we probably aren't predicted to win i think uh we're probably going to be a couple touchdown underdogs and at this point i guess i'll kind of throw a question to you say we beat app state we lose to florida state lose to clemson lose to georgia tech or something like that um the motivation obviously behind Louisville wanting to beat them is big, but at that point you're, you're starting to feel desperate about your season. If you got four or five wins, uh, do you think the schedule and how difficult it is by the time we get to Louisville, do you think we will be worn down or do you think that uh, the bye week before Georgia tech will hopefully give us some time to uh, reset and prepare for these set of three games? You know, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that the bye week can give us a, a little bit of a hope to, to reset, but, it's, you know, it's difficult. You're, 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 they're going to go into these games, you know, they're competitors, and they're going to go into these games thinking that they can beat them. It doesn't matter if they're playing Florida State. It doesn't matter if they're playing Clemson, uh, even though the odds will definitely be against them. They'll go into that to these games thinking they can beat them. But um, if they do end up, you know, taking a lot of losses, I mean, I think you can get mentally defeated and, and lose a lot of confidence, especially if, um, you know, I don't know the exact schedule, but if if Louisville plays Clemson and Florida State earlier in the year, let's say, and let's say Louisville gets beaten pretty badly by those teams, um, or, or excuse me, plays you know pretty well, pretty well against Florida State and Clemson, we don't play against Florida State and Clemson very well. Well, you know that that could be you know hurting our confidence going into this one. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But I'm I'm more concerned, I think, about just honestly uh, our physical. Um, you know, preparation um, and, and lack of injuries than I am our psyche headed into this. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that makes a lot of sense, too. And obviously record matters, but you shouldn't need a lot of motivation when a top 15 team comes into your football stadium, especially even without even looking at the history between these two programs. Um, and just a quick look at Louisville's schedule. They, they have a pretty difficult one. They open with Purdue, then they're at Carolina. They get Clemson at home, a couple of probably gimmies in Kent State and Murray State. They're then at NC State, host Boston College. But the week before they play Wake, they are at Florida State. So that they're either going to be coming off a big win or a, you know, a loss to a team that – probably was is going to be an elimination game in the Atlantic division. So we might catch them in a good spot there before they end with Virginia, Syracuse and Kentucky. Um, but we'll see. And I think the big thing that's a little overrated, underrated with Louisville is that they have a really, really good defense. They have nine seniors and two juniors. And I think three or four of those uh, defensive players are projected to be in the first two or three rounds in the draft. They've, they've got a lot of talent there. So Wake usually does not really fare well against strong defenses. Most of that is because we have had bad offenses, but um, we just don't, <laughs> don't don't play very well against those. So it'll be interesting to see how we come along as the season uh, moves on as well. Um, but that's a big game. I, I know I really want to win it. And uh, it, 
out of these games, these handful of games that we've been looking at over the last two weeks, is Louisville a bigger game to you? Or do you think Louisville or App State, Florida State, Clemson, which one of those games, if you had to pick one uh, to, for Wake Forest to win, would you take, Rob? If they could only win one? No, I mean, um, let's just say you, you're only... guaranteed one of the four. Like, if, if you, you say, you're going to get one, you know, then the other three games will be played out as they, as they may. But you're guaranteed one win. Which one would you take? Um, I think I would take Clemson. Um, I, I know that's, that's pie in the sky, but if you're saying I can definitely have one, I would take Clemson just because they are defending national champions, and that game would also be on the road. Um, though, if, you know, I'll, I'll hedge here and say it would also be very nice to beat to beat Louisville at home because I'd be at the game. Um, but I would say Clemson if I could only pick one of those four. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think you have to go anytime. If you're guaranteeing me one win out of those four and then the other ones will just play out, then I think you have to take the Clemson game for the reasons you mentioned. A win at Death Valley and a win over the defending national champions gets us front headlines on every um, every paper and every highlight show the next morning, which is huge for recruiting. It's huge for building a brand. And while a loss to App State wouldn't be great, um, it, you know, that's not something that resonates across a national scene, whereas defeating Clemson would be absolutely huge for the program. And that would mark a win that says we are here, we can compete, and we are going to um, going to do that. So I think given, given those four games, I, ha- I would have to take the national champions in Clemson. So, um, but – Obviously, they don't guarantee games in college football, so we will uh, let them play it out and hope that we at least grab one of them. Um, so, with that being said, let's uh, turn our attention to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, who had a pretty interesting year last year. Um, they went 4-8, and eight, but it was pretty misleading. They finished 26th in the S&P uh, standings, and for reference, that is well above where Wake Forest finished. Yet they still managed to only go four and eight, whereas Wake went seven and six. Um, what What are your thoughts about what happened to Notre Dame last year? Was it something uh, lack of leadership? Or was it coaching problem? Um, just from your uh, standpoint, do you think it was bad luck? Why did they go four and eight? You know, I don't know. I mean, I think I think it's a combination of a, a difficult schedule. And um, you know some bad luck. Though they did lose to some bad teams. I mean, if you remember that you know great Labor Day game against Texas, where they lost. I'm looking at it now, 47 to 50. Great shootout, and everybody was thinking after that game, well, well Texas is back. Uh, well, it turned out Charlie Strong ended up getting fired, and, and neither of those teams uh, had that great of a season. But at the time. Uh, it, it looked really strong, but, you know, they also lose to Duke at home. They lost to Michigan State, um, you know, at home, and that, that program really struggled last year. But they also had a difficult schedule at Southern California with Sam Darnold, who stud, uh, losing to Virginia Tech, who was a very good team. And then uh, they lost to Stanford, a very good team, and, and NC State in a, in a hurricane. Uh, so yep. a, a little bit of bad luck, but also some – you know, some poor discipline. They they lost to Navy, who they're not bad, but Notre Dame should beat Navy pretty much every time they play them. So, um, you know, I we'll see what happens. They lost Kaiser at quarterback, who I consider to be pretty good, and the Cleveland Browns consider to be pretty good. That's why they drafted them. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens this year. But I think, you know, combination of schedule and just, um, you know, discipline, really. Yeah, that that that's the general gist that I have from the overview. Of course, I follow them a little bit since you know we play them every 
two or three years and they're a national brand. They're constantly on NBC. So um, I, I watched pretty much all of their game against NC state last year. That was the same day that Wake played Syracuse. And if, as most Wake fans will remember, the game was played in a hurricane, and the state game, the state Notre Dame game, probably shouldn't have even been played. Quite frankly, it was. Yeah, uh, it looked even was, worse. It looked yeah, even worse it, than our game. Yeah, our and game it was. Bad. I mean, that they were they were playing right at noon when the storm was hitting, and obviously Raleigh is a couple hours closer to the coast than Winston, and it, that was a game that probably shouldn't have been played that day. Um, but it was NC State wound up winning ten to three. That's not an excuse for Notre Dame. Both teams were playing there, um, but it, it was, wasn't a great situation. It was just kind of a fluky thing. Um, and, and just looking at Notre Dame's schedule overall, they actually opened the season against uh, Temple, uh, so it'll be a good kind of interesting barometer of what Notre Dame's doing against them. I know Temple won't be the same since. Matt Matt Rule went to Baylor. Um, they lost a few players, but they've got Temple, Georgia. They actually play Boston College and Michigan State at Carolina. Um, they get NC State the weekend before us and then Miami the weekend after. Maybe we're in another spot again where they might overlook us. Um, I don't think the name Wake Forest really perks up a lot of ears or eyes when they see us on the schedule. Um, but what do you think the uh, impact of having Mike Elko at Notre Dame, both from as far as Dave Clawson knowing what his defense is going to be trying to do and also the advice that he can give to uh, their coach, Brian Kelly, uh, as to what we're going, going to try to do on offense and defense. Do you think it matters? Do you think it has an impact? And if so, who do you think it benefits more, Wake Forest or Notre Dame? Uh, I would say it probably benefits Notre Dame more having Elko just because uh, our offense is probably going to – going to struggle in general and if the other defensive coordinator also has has uh you know a knowledge of, of our offensive system um i think that's going to be a big advantage for notre dame i think another thing too is that just overall notre dame adding mike elko is is a home run uh you know i guess failed to mention it earlier but a big reason they lost all those games as other defense was just absolutely atrocious they they gave up 28 they allowed 28 points a game they scored 31 points a game if you score 31 points a game you should uh, have a much better record than four and eight and i know we discussed uh the s&p ranking but you know completely unacceptable defense they recruit very well at all positions they should never have a defense uh that performs that poorly so i think notre dame adding a very good defensive coordinator improving their biggest weakness is going to be a major advantage for them um, against us and against every other team that they play. I agree. And it looks like they're probably going to have another good defense again, um, or they're go- they should get better and they're going to have a good defense. Uh, it was interesting that they kind of, they moved defensive coordinators. I believe they actually ranked, um, 28th in defense, which was roughly equivalent to what Wake did. Obviously, expectations are quite different up in South Bend. They are in Winston-Salem, but um, anytime a Notre Dame poaches your coach, it's a good thing. Um, it, it, it's not great that we lost him and we had to replace him, but I think we got a good hire. Um, but it, that's great recognition for the program, and it shows that we are kind of popping up on, as a uh, – at least here and there as a blip on the radar in some of these bigger teams. So Notre Dame obviously looked at what we did, and they liked it, and they, they came and got our coach. So um, I think that, that can only be good for the program. So 
um, it's, it, it'll be interesting to see how they, how that, that game plays out, whether or not they are able to kind of stifle our offense a little more than what they normally would be able to do. But I think that's a tough game. And I would recommend going up to South Bend if you can make it this year. Um, not you, just the global listening body. I know we went up a few years ago and it was a great trip. And uh, regardless of your feelings about Notre Dame, it's uh, one of those stadiums that you just have to visit if you're a college football fan. So I would highly recommend it. And uh, it's not too bad. Easy little trip to Chicago. Take a train to South Bend or uh, however you may want to get there. And it's, that's a pretty fun trip. Uh, would you would you recommend uh, heading back uh, if you were uh, to advise, Rob? Well, I'd absolutely recommend it. would strongly recommend, as you mentioned, staying in Chicago. Get up there. Stay there for the most part of the weekend. But really take in a Notre Dame game day. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great atmosphere, uh, a lot of history, and you know some unbelievable, some unbelievable tailgating. It's 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 funny. I mean, when we we first got there, um, they have you literally park on their golf on their school's golf course and charge you yep. uh, twenty or forty bucks to do so. That so that sort of shows you what uh, Notre Dame thinks about its golf program, I guess, to a degree. But uh, yeah, I mean they're they're charging a hundred bucks a pop right outside of. Um, the parking lot right outside of the stadium, but that thing's still full. You go to the bookstore before the game, and a uh, long, long list or a long, long line of, of people there because, as you mentioned earlier, national brand. Uh, a lot of people who, who love Notre Dame, they, they try and go to maybe their first ever Notre Dame game or they make a trip once a year no matter who they're, who they're playing, and it's a great opportunity for them to get on campus. So I uh, strongly would recommend it to Wake fans uh, if they did not make the trip several years ago. Yeah, and it's a unique experience as well because it really feels like a high school town where everything shuts down on game day to go do that. Uh, you know, if you're in Davie County, if you're from around Winston-Salem, Davie County, North Davidson, everything shuts down in those cities when Davie and North Davidson play high school football, and that's how it, it is in South Bend. You know, it's uh, <laughs> the population of South Bend probably grows two or three times of what it normally is when uh, the, the stadium's full. It's a great experience, and I would definitely recommend it. Um, let's kind of look at these three games as a whole, the, at Georgia Tech, Louisville, and Notre Dame. Um, do you think – what do you think we need to get a win here? Uh, do we need one win, two wins? Uh, I started off the program by saying that we – I guess we had a 1.25 to 1.5 win expectancy, but I'm, I believe that's a little high now that I look over it, and we were probably closer to 0. .7, 0. .8. So if we can get one win, I, I would consider that a big success. What, what would you think? Yeah, I mean, I would say one one of these three wins would would be a major success with uh, Georgia Tech b- being our our most likely one. And you know, ideally, as we we you know, I, well, ideally we go twelve and zero. But ideally, we start four and zero in it, which which is reasonable, not not a gimme, but certainly reasonable. And then we've mentioned the Florida State clubs and some of the Goliaths. But here's where we get back to some winnable games. I mean, yeah. Louisville, as talented as they are, and they're very good in this, you know, according to all the metrics, um, as good as they are and as talented as Lamar Jackson is, they do not recruit at the level of a Florida State and a Clemson. Now, that's not necessarily a knock on them. Very few teams do. But they're unbelievably, you know, they're, they're very good, and, and they're going to be experienced. But that is a winnable game. Um, so I would say if we start 4-0, I think it would be – outstanding to win one of these games, then, you know, you only have to win one of the remaining three games. But, you know, it's most likely that we only go three and one out of, out of the first four. Um, so, 
and it's going to be tough. You don't want to have to go 3-0 to end this. So I think this is the stretch right here where if we don't start 4-0, we have to win one of these games. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree with that notion. I think the most realistic is we go 3-1 and one against uh, Presbyterian, Utah State, Boston College, and App State. We probably don't probably don't beat Florida State or Clemson. So that's uh, what's that? That's three and three. Then we got these three games. So if you win one, you only need two wins to get back to a bowl. NC State should probably be pretty good this year. Duke won't revenge from last year. Syracuse won't revenge. So it's highly unlikely we will win the final three games. So if we head into that with a three and six record, it's going to be that's a pretty big uphill battle to get back to a bowl game. So um, I think that will uh, that could make or break the season. And while each game in a nutshell doesn't necessarily lend itself to having us be a favorite you have to try to get at least one of the slight underdog so um I guess that pretty much wraps up what we want to talk about from a football standpoint um I, I, I can't recommend enough listening to the episode two of the blogger so dear uh, recruit report that Ned and Whit did earlier they highlight everything that you need to know about Wake Forest for basketball recruiting and football recruiting and Ned also launched the official 2019 big board and recruiting update so that is on the front page of blogger so dear right now um, let's turn our eyes to basketball a little bit they released the ACC opponents and while we could have figured it out a month or two ago they, this was the official release from the ACC and uh, Adam wrote an article about that on Friday afternoon so it was kind of a late release by the ACC uh, but the schedule is out and obviously Wake continues to play Wake uh, Duke and NC State at home and away as our rivals this year we also will play at Georgia Tech and at Syracuse and they will come here so that is uh, those are the four games that we do the home and away the home teams that we get in Winston-Salem but do not play on the road are Florida State, Clemson, Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Notre Dame. And then the five teams that we play only on the road are Miami, Carolina, Louisville, Pittsburgh, and Boston College. Based on what we know about the non-conference schedule and how the ACC is shaping up this year, how do you feel that this schedule breaks down for Wake Forest returning to the NCAA tournament for a uh, second consecutive year? Oh, well, I love this schedule. Um, I, I think it's fantastic. I, you know, the non-conference, I, th- I think the NCAA <laughs> tournament committee announced they were going to place a little bit more of an emphasis on, on quality road wins, so it's going to be nearly impossible <laughs> to get any of those in the non-conference yeah. uh, schedule, though we can get a few um, neutral site wins, but that's going to lend itself to hopefully just a lot of win padding. I mean, as far as the ACC schedule, I think this is great for racking up wins. Uh, it's it's sort of the opposite of last year. I think we have some very winnable home games. Uh, I like I like having State, Georgia Tech, and Syracuse as as home and homes. I think there's a, there's a great chance to go like four and two in those games. Um, I I love playing Florida State, Clemson, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, and home. I mean those those are all winnable games. And honestly, Miami, Carolina, and Louisville, uh, those are going to be three really good teams. Not to say we can't beat them, but um, if you're only going to play them once, you know, you almost don't want to waste a home game sometimes. And then Pitt and Boston College, those two teams are going to be a tro- – I mean, Pitt, there are going to be a lot of Wake Forest intramural teams that, that could beat them. Um, <laughs> so I, I think I think those those should be two, two road wins right there. I mean, I, I love this schedule. What about you? 
Yeah, I, I certainly believe that the schedule bodes well for Wake. The only thing that I would say if I were picking a schedule, I would obviously want Pitt and BC four times total. We only get them twice, but like you said about the road when bearing more weight this year, um, I, I, it helps out that we get bitten, Pitt and BC on the road because I think we, we will beat them no matter where we play them. Uh, now, BC does have a pretty good backcourt. Um but I, I think we can handle them. And I don't know who Pitt is even going to field. After Cam Johnson transferred to Carolina, I don't, I don't know how many scholarship players they have. I think they are probably hovering around seven or eight, plus their freshmen. I don't know if they're going to have a full roster of scholarship players. So that's going to be an uphill climb for Kevin Stallings after this year, um, assuming he's still there, whatever they're trying to do. But one thing that's kind of interesting. Also a terrible coach. Yeah, yeah, I know you, you being a Vanderbilt fan can probably – or Vanderbilt graduates – yeah, can relate to that. So um, that was an interesting hire, I thought, from day one. Um, but they, they got him. Obviously, the Dixon departure with a little uh, suspect timing, Dixon going to his uh, alma mater, TCU. But the, the interesting thing about kind of talking about the NCAA overall, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this, why did they announce that there is a change to the way they assess the NCAA tournament field for this upcoming year after teams have already scheduled their non-conference schedule? Why wouldn't they apply it this or start it this year and then apply it to next year, the 2018-19 season? That makes no sense to me. Well, you're absolutely right. It makes no sense. Nothing the NCAA tournament or nothing the NCAA NCAA does makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. I mean, though, we'll we'll see if they actually end up doing this, um, and you know, we'll, we'll find out in, in March. But they talk about how they want to have a strong emphasis on on advanced stats. Well, you look at where Wake was in Ken Palm. We were about 30th in Ken Palm last year. We got into the first four. Played played Kansas State. Meanwhile, USC uh, gets a gets a much easier matchup. So that doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. I don't think they always do a, a great job of that. Um, so so we'll see. Uh, but you're right. It it is completely unfair uh, since teams have already made their schedules um, to say this is going to be a point of emphasis when they have no time to adjust. Right. I mean, it's kind of like a teacher teaching the test and saying, this is what I'm looking for. And then after everybody's taking the test, she says, well, I'm actually only going to grade you on this. And these questions are going to have more weight. And uh, to be to be clear, I, I fully agree with anything the NCAA does to get away from the RPI. It's a horrible system. Why would your what opponents of your opponents opponents do? matter at all for your schedule like if, if we beat Syracuse and Syracuse beats Army and Cornell why do we get suffer a hit if Cornell loses to Columbia in the uh, Ivy League that makes no sense at all so anything that gets away from that is fine in my book and I like the that they are going to put a bigger emphasis on road wins and not necessarily dock you as much for road losses but I just would like to see that done when all the teams are on a level playing field where schedules haven't been released and they can actually schedule based on that, as opposed to just having their schedule based on another set of standards. And then you get done and they say, Oh, well, we're actually looking for this this year. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, kind of off my soapbox now, but that was kind of interesting when I saw that and wrote the article. Um, Rob, I kind of want to go ahead and get your opinion here. So we've got the schedule. We don't know exactly when games are played, so that could obviously alter your uh, your thought process one way or the other, maybe a game or two within the schedule. But we know the teams we're playing out of conference. We know that schedule. We know the teams we're playing in conference. Not sure of that schedule. Right now, what do you think Wake Forest uh, is going to do from a win and loss standpoint this year? I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, you know, I think 
I will say I think we can win uh, pre-ACC tournament. I think we can win 21 games or so. Um, what do we have? 12 Yep, we got 12 non-conference and then the original um, 18, nine at home and nine on the road. So we got 30 games uh, overall. So that would put us at 21 yeah, and nine. Yeah, I think I think 20, 21 and nine is is reasonable. Uh, you know, so hopefully I'm not I'm not too overconfident. But but just just looking at the non-conference schedule, I mean, there really aren't. Illinois and Richmond could be somewhat challenging along with Tennessee, but really for the most part. If, if we're an NCAA tournament caliber team, we should we should go through those teams relatively easily. And then I think the ACC is going to be down. And as we mentioned, I think we get some favorable matchups in terms of who we play at home versus who we play on the road. So this may sort of be the reverse of last year. Honestly, we're, we're probably going to be overrated from a, a win-loss perspective in a traditional stats perspective and maybe down a little bit on Ken Palm, but viewed more favorably. Um, by some of the voters, um, whereas last year we had very good advanced metrics but just kept losing all those, those close and tough games. What, what are your thoughts on our uh, win-loss record? Yeah, I think uh, 20 wins is what we need to get. Uh, it is a softer schedule this year, so we're not going to have that to bolster us. So we're going to have to win the game um, and hope that the committee looks at those wins and says, hey, this is good. Uh, it, I think 20 and 10 uh, – 10 and 8 is a realistic goal and should be expected. So that will probably get us into a Wednesday game, hopefully get a bye on Tuesday in the ACC tournament, and that's the next step up. Uh, I, overall, looking at the conference, I think Miami, Carolina, maybe Louisville um, and Duke are all right there. I think Miami and Carolina may be a cut above Louisville and Duke for this year. Um, and then you got Louisville and Duke right there. And then there, I think there's a fair drop-off, maybe Florida State as well. But there's a drop-off there. Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Virginia, and Wake, I, those should all be right there in that, that, uh, that middling bunch. And when you've got – this many teams in the ACC, there's going to be a pretty uh, distributional win. So one win can make a huge difference as far as seeding goes. Um, but I think if we get to 20 wins, we'll get back to the NCAA tournament. Obviously, that somewhat depends on how they fall. Um, but I think anything less than 20 wins based on the schedule and what we know now is uh, is going to be a, a disappointment because we're probably going to fall short of the NCAA uh, tournament. And, and interestingly enough, it, I think the football team will be better than they were last year, but I think they're going to take a step back record-wise because of the schedule. But in basketball, I think we're going to be slightly better than we were last year um, overall, but we may take a step or slightly worse than we were overall, but we're going to take a step forward because of scheduling. So it's kind of interesting how that dichotomy plays out. But uh, I guess we will uh, wait and see. And once we get the full schedule release, we will uh, get that up as soon as possible because that that can make a little bit of a difference. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it, it's good to be competitive in ACC basketball again. So that's uh, that's a nice thing to be able to talk about instead of having to talk about dumpster fires so um i think that's about all we have for as far as uh basketball and football discussion uh i do want to talk we it came out this week that uh the demon deacon mascot got a much needed facelift i don't think there's any uh dispute around that but the, the look has come out um on various avenues via the twitter machine and i have retweeted uh the look on roll the quadcast right now so if you're listening and you want to go look at what that uh 
what the Demon Deacon mascot face looks like, uh, it's a bit of a change. So they're no longer like air holes, I guess, on the face that look like he had smallpox or chickenpox, but it, it's a very different look. It's a fresher look, but it kind of changes the overall complexion of the face. Did you have any thoughts about the uh, Demon Deacon's face? And uh, does it haunt your dreams? <laughs> I guess it sort of does. It's just, it's very... I don't even. Uh, I don't even. It seems like he lacks emotion, or he's just giving you a death stare the entire time. I feel like the other one looks a little bit friendlier. Uh, it's not quite as terrible as the old uh, New Orleans Pelicans. Oh, the baby. A few years ago. <laughs> yeah, now it's, yeah, it's not quite that bad. We'll have to get a screenshot of that thing stayed up there. But um, you know, I. Sort of looks like the Commodore a little bit too, um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm glad that we tried the change, but I I'm not sure it was that necessary to be honest with you. What What are your thoughts on our, our new mascot? Yeah, I mean, and I, I'm not one of those people who bashes things just because they are different. Like I try to put forth a rational like thought process and give it time and I, I, we did need a new one like the the old one was just so torn down and i know these things are expensive and there's not a lot of things you can do i, I don't really care if the demon deacon looks scary like it's a demonic deacon like what's it supposed to look like but it looks like a baby face and i i the big thing and i'm i'm not sure this perhaps maybe our listeners can uh, help us out is the bow tie still stapled to the deacon's chin because if we're making wardrobe moves then uh i'm sure the deacon will love to get out of 30 years of uncomfortableness with that going on so um does it does it really matter in the whole scheme of things probably not i i think in the long run it'll be fine and we'll not really care about it but it, it does kind of look like a baby face and i want to see it live before i go full judgmental on it but uh i i like the i like the efforts i'm not sure i like the product so um we'll see how it goes but uh yeah i just wanted to kind of get that out there and uh, i would love to hear the people's thoughts on twitter about what they what they think it looks like and uh as many people pointed out in the replies perhaps now we can uh get the upgrades to the mother and the father deacon because they one had the exact same face for parents day and uh their wardrobe is very very interesting based on uh <laughs> what uh it looks very old and they've worn the same thing for the last 30 years it looks like so um hey vintage uh, is in man yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we're in a day and age where the throwbacks look cool. So, but I don't know. I, I, kudos to the sports marketing, or I'm actually not sure who even does that. I assume the athletic department does that. Media relate or um, marketing. I guess they're in charge of that. But kudos to the change. But I, I'm not sure I'm a fan yet. But we'll see how that goes. So, um, we got a couple minutes left here, Rob. Uh, I, since you weren't on to start, I kind of want to get your thoughts on Dave Clawson and his recruiting. Um, I know we've touched on this in the past. Um, I think the first week we were on here with the commitment that we heard about today of um, Devontae Gordon and top four, moving into the top 40 here. Uh, what do you think this does for the program as far as getting Wake exposed, getting the top players, getting these guys over teams that we don't normally do? Obviously, it's a good thing, but um, it, how big of a difference do you think this is going to make as far as Wake getting more wins and getting more exposed to, on a national brand when we're beating teams, uh, better teams, big names? teams for recruits yeah i mean i I think we definitely have the possibility of recruiting at a at a higher level now um under clausen i mean i think part of it is clausen was able to come in initially 
with some of his recruiting classes, uh, his, his first recruiting classes at Wake and sell a, a vision of, of what can be a, a good program. And he was able to sell his past and how that has sort of come to fruition somewhat. And he's able to get some better recruits. And we've also improved our facilities a significant amount. Uh, so I think between those two things, um, and we're, we're just building on talent, I, th- I think we're going to have better recruiting classes um, moving forward. I, th- I think, look, there's always going to be an arms race uh, in college right. athletics, and we're not always going to be able to win those things. But I think our, our facilities were, were really poor. So I think the fact that we've closed the gap enough to make it where our facilities are no longer going to be a deal breaker, I think they can help um, win some kids over to, to some extent. Uh, I think a lot more students, student athletes are, are going to consider us um, moving forward. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's, it's, I think this is a pretty big uh, commitment. And if I am correct here, I believe this is our third or fourth four-star ever. Um, obviously ratings have only gone back for 15 years or so. So we could very well have gotten somebody who might've been a four star in the eighties or nineties, but I, I, I don't know how to comment on that, but this is huge for the program moving forward. He's able to sell a vision now because we won that bowl game as dumb as it sounds like those are, that's why bowl games matter. And I get asked a lot, like, well, you know why bowl games are just participation trophies, but, but they, they, while you may feel that way or certain people may feel that way, that that's not true. You, those are results. You get games on national TV. We beat a top 25 team. Yes, their coach left, but we, we got to showcase our talents. We, our fans showed up and, you know, those are things that matter. This guy's from the DC area. It's possible he could have been in and around the area for that game. That that's big, that's big stuff. So anytime you think a bowl game doesn't matter, I think everything matters as far as recruiting. So, um, you know, this is big and, and I, I'm a fan and I, I enjoy what Dave Clawson is doing. It's fun to watch so um we're getting up on the time here but uh we appreciate you listening everybody and uh as always you can follow us at bsd underscore ra johnston and uh we we really appreciate it so as always go deeks go deeks